Hey everyone, welcome back for another episode of the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Sylvester. And today we've got a playoff edition DFS episode for you with guest Justin McMahon, co-founder of Daily Fantasy Insider and DFS superstar, who's won over a quarter million dollars playing DFS. And look, he's a lot more accessible than a lot of these great DFS minds. You can find him on the chat every day at DFI. Hey, Justin, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks. Excited for the playoffs. So last week was a terrible DFS week for me. I've been on a roll finishing top 15% five straight weeks uh, with my primary lineup. Then last week, that it's just a dud thanks to David Johnson, Travis Kelsey, Jordy Nelson. How did you do? Yeah, I pretty much the same boat, which I think is a good sign. I think that means we're both doing the right things. Uh, yeah, I was really starting to feel good about NFL. I was thinking, all right, we've got enough data out there now. This is a great season. And then, you know, week 17 is going to be difficult, but I, I really thought I had it. I thought Steve Smith would be fed in his last game. The coaches in Flacco and everyone was saying all week, yeah, we're going to give Steve Smith a great send off. And not only do they lose, but they throw 45 times and target him four times. Yeah. So uh, that was amazing. And then the David Johnson reception yards narrative, I actually really researched that a lot. I wrote an article on DFIU and sure enough, they come out targeting him on almost every passing play and then he gets hurt immediately in the first quarter. And he already had like 36 receiving yards. So I can only imagine if he played the whole game, he might have hit his record. It could have been awesome. It could have been really great. And uh, look, you know, if you play the right plays every single week, you're bound to lose some weeks. It just doesn't work out. I mean, every once in a while, Kelsey puts up a big, uh, big goose egg. I mean, he he had what one point three points or whatever, but it was ugly. And uh, if I had the same chance, I would do the exact same thing again. I mean, I guess if I knew what was going to happen, I would go back and, and play the perfect line. Right? <laughs> yeah, but, exactly. Uh, you know, I I think we made the right decisions last week, and uh, and we're going to again this week. Now it's a different slate. We're going to approach this a lot differently, too. Usually we go position by position, but this is a special week. We're going to go game by game here and try to blaze through this thing to cover every DFS-relevant player. But before we start, Justin, how does your strategy change in a smaller slate like this one? Yeah, I'm glad you asked. So part of our strategy guide that's available on DFIUniversity.com, we actually have a section that covers our primetime strategy. And that was the section that I chose to be given away for free. So if you go to dailyfantasyinsider.com, on the it's one of the bars, you'll see strategy and you can click NFL and primetime strategy and you can read all about what our strategy is for these kind of small slates. But to sum it up, basically, you don't want to just go with all the optimal plays. On a normal Sunday, you can just play the best picks. But in this situation where there's not very many games, the ownership on the optimal plays is so high that you're actually increasing your net return in the long run if you play some suboptimal plays that will be lower owned. A lot of times those suboptimal plays, you know, end up better than the uh, the optimal plays. It's just the way that volatility works, right? Exactly. I mean, the the idea of an optimal play is, is usually that he will outperform the other guy you're considering 60 to 70% of the time, which is really not a lot. That means that three or four out of 10 times, the other guy will do better. So if 90% of people are picking the guy that's going to do better 70% of the time and only 10% are picking the guy who will do better 30% of the time, you're really better with the the suboptimal player on a slate like this. Perfect way to explain it. Okay, so let's start with the most interesting game, in my opinion. The Giants and their excellent defense, at least I think it's excellent, against the Packers and their, uh, I'm not really sure if you can call it a defense. Yeah, I uh, 
I was unfortunately forced to learn the hard way how good this Giants defense is because I'm a big Redskins fan. So this game last weekend was just brutal for me. And the Redskins didn't even cover what the spread would be this week for the Giants-Packers game. And they also wouldn't even have covered a really low over-under. The Giants defense just keeps games low scoring. And their offense keeps games low scoring. Their offense has such long drives. I, multiple drives this weekend against the Redskins. They took up double digit plays and eight to 10 minutes off the clock. So yeah, I would be worried targeting this game for fantasy. I think the Giants best bet to win this game is to just drag it out and just make it such a slow and boring game. People are so excited to watch this game, but it could be very much like the Giants Patriots Super Bowls where it ends up. 1310. So I wouldn't, I, I would be concerned that that 44 and a half over under gets reached or, or what I think that's what it is. I, um, I, I think the Giants are going to drag it out even more so than usual because Paul Perkins has been taken over more and he looks pretty good. So why not give him the ball? I know this Packers defense started off really good against the run, but they had some real bad matchups. And frankly, they're just not very good against the run. Now they're getting a little better against the pass with Demarius Randall back and, and all these guys getting healthier. Um, but I think that Paul Perkins can run on them. I think he's a real sleeper threat to end up being the best running back. Wow. I, I don't know if anyone could beat Le'Veon Bell, but uh, I could see Perkins being perhaps the number two running back. I meant in terms of value. There's oh, no okay. way Perkins is beating Bell. Yeah, I should have clarified that. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, then, then yeah, then I agree. It, it's very possible. Um, you know, it's it'll be it'll be an interesting game. I think I think some people might make the mistake of playing Ripkowski on the other side of the ball. And, oh, don't do that. And don't do that, exactly, because the reason he played so much is because Ty Montgomery had a horrible mistake on pass block, and the coaches just said, you're gone, and benched him. But they let him go. Montgomery's by far the best bet exactly. if he plays full-time. Five five yards per carry. They're not messing around in a playoff game. Right, and I think that game, they uh, they were willing to bench him for a little while to yell at him make a point, uh, but you, you better believe they're going to teach him what he did wrong in practice this week, and he'll be back in there. I just don't see the Packers turning to their fullback in the most important game of the season. Um, it just doesn't seem very likely. So you could end up getting zero out of Ripkowski, truly zero. He doesn't touch the ball most games. Um, so don't don't make that mistake. But I don't think... And what's the upside there? Like maybe 6.2 points? No, thank you. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think he ended up with like 11 points last week, but it's, it's very fluky. Uh, it doesn't seem like a safe play at all. And the Giants defense is fantastic. And they're probably getting Jason Pierre-Paul back. So it's just a big risk either way. Man, this Giants defense, I'm looking at their depth chart right now. You already mentioned Jason Pierre-Paul, who when he's healthy, he's one of the best there is. Olivier Vernon is just dominant. I mean, we saw him eat Tyron Smith alive earlier this season. And Smith is the best that there is. I know that they've got some real good pass blockers in this Packers offensive line. But with Vernon, doesn't really matter. Um, you know, even coming off the bench, Romeo Aquaro was very good when Pierre Paul was gone. Um, so they've got some depth there. It looks like a recipe for a Super Bowl winning defense like they've had in the past. And then you look at their secondary. Dominique Rogers, Cromartie, Janoris Jenkins, Landon Collins is really emerging as maybe the best safety in the league. I mean, that's kind of pushing it, but we're talking about a great defense there. I don't think I want to play Aaron Rodgers, even though he's projected for the most points. Yeah, I agree. I know the computers have have him projected for the most, and a lot of that is probably due to recency. I know he's in great form, but the Giants had 17 interceptions this year, one behind the league leaders, uh, Baltimore and Kansas City at 18, and the Giants are getting healthy. 
Uh, Janoris Jenkins is getting healthy. Cody Sensiball is getting healthy. Their safety, Nat Burr, he's, he's getting healthy. Uh, this defense is, I would not want to mess with it. Uh, I think the game could be pretty low scoring, and it's just, it's not where I'm targeting quarterback to pay all the way up for Aaron Rodgers against one of the toughest defenses right now. Yeah. And Eli Manning on the other side of the ball. I mean, I know the Packers secondary is not very good, but uh, I don't think it's going to be a high enough scoring game. And I don't think, I definitely don't think the Giants are going to go into Green Bay and blow out the Packers. No. I mean, the, the Packers don't really lose at home in January. And Aaron Rodgers is the best postseason quarterback of all time. I don't think he's losing at home. So 7,500 for Manning, not my cup of tea. I mean, I guess it makes sense if you're playing, uh, getting some exposure in a GPP lineup if you play a lot of lineups. But that's not the way I roll. I like to roll out one great GPP lineup. And uh, and it's not going to have Manning and it's not going to have Rodgers. Yeah, I don't think mine will either. I mean, you could you could make a case for Eli Manning as I don't think many people will be taking him. And the Packers defense uh, through the air is definitely their their weakness. You could go with a Manning Odell Beckham Jr. stack, and, and that's something that we talked about in our chats. Some of our guys really like Odell Beckham, and, and there's good reason to like him this week for sure. But yeah, I just, I just expect it to be a low scoring game, and and I think that Rodgers will actually carry decent ownership despite a bad matchup because in his last six games he's thrown for over two thousand yards, fifteen touchdowns, and zero interceptions, which is just amazing. Yeah. And I think there's enough players who will prioritize recent form over the matchup and and maybe maybe they'll that'll pay off for him again as it has been recently with Rodgers but that's just that's not the way we try to do things at DFI we really like to look at each matchup individually break down the players that are going up against it as and long-term sample sizes not just recency Um, so we'll see how it goes but I will not be using Rodgers for sure. Now you mentioned Odell Beckham we've got to play him right I mean he has like five different levels and usually he's on like level one level two which is still a very good wide receiver every once in a while when he gets perturbed he turns it up to like level four now we're in the playoffs do we get level five Odell Beckham I don't know I I would think I would think every player turns it up so it's a good point do we know that Odell's turn up is better than whoever's lined up across from him I'm not sure I think I think it is man I think he <laughs> might be an alien he's so good yeah he I mean, he's fantastic he's like but- one of those space jam monsters that like suck the skill out of some amazing player like maybe Jerry Rice somewhere had an alien suck the skill out of him and it's Odell Beckham yeah I mean he's obviously fantastic but he's also priced like someone who's fantastic so I think, yeah. I think so for us this week, our must-haves on DFI are Le'Veon Bell and Doug Baldwin. And in an article, okay. we apologize for must-having Le'Veon Bell because he's obviously chalk. But we just say the nature of the article's must-haves, you have to have Le'Veon Bell. You cannot not yeah. play him. So if you're going with Bell and Baldwin, which we certainly are, then you don't have enough salary to take two superstar wide receivers in addition to Baldwin and Bell. And I don't know if we would take OBJ over Antonio Brown. So we, we'll get to that game later. But OBJ is a great play. I just don't know if he'll fit into my lineup. Now, Jordy Nelson, there's really no sense in owning him, right? I mean, it doesn't matter where he goes on the field. He's going to be covered by Jenkins or Rogers Cromartie. And he, look, Nelson is very good. But considering the other matchups for Brown and Beckham, I just can't really justify having him in my lineup. Yeah, so it's funny because people keep telling me Jordy Nelson is absolutely matchup proof. And you could make that case for every superstar to some degree, but no one is completely matchup proof. You don't want someone in a bad matchup. And people were telling me last week, I don't care that he's going to be covered by Darius Slay. He's totally matchup proof. 
Well, he was the highest owned receiver by far, and he put up 66 yards on six catches. I will happily fade an expensive receiver who's the highest owned player with that stat line. Yeah. So I'll say this though: Darius Darius Darry Slay puts Janoris Jenkins to shame. He, Slay is awesome. Slay is yeah. I mean, both of these guys are are excellent corners. Yeah. Uh, I just don't know if I would want to target either of them. I don't think I would. So I, I'll probably avoid Nelson. I'll definitely avoid Nelson again this week. Uh, if it if it interests you at all, I'm pretty sure Janoris Jenkins is actually rated better than Darius Slay um, on Pro Football Focus. Yeah, yeah, but Slay's also been playing through injuries, and, and last week he looked healthy. Yeah. So yeah, he did. Look I mean, good. P- previous season Slay has been the guy on Pro Football Focus. So yeah, um, I think that's what we saw last week. Yeah, oh, definitely. But Jenkins has been battling with a bad back, and he apparently is getting over that. So good either point. way, it just seems like let's not mess with Jordy Nelson. Uh, good point. <laughs> I think if you wanted to target a Packers receiver, I think Devontae Adams would be the guy. Now, what about some of the other uh, wide receivers in this game? You just said Adams. We've got Sterling Shepard, and then the tight ends. Are you intrigued by any of these guys? No, I'm looking somewhere else at tight end. Oh, you know what? You know what you should not do is play. Shepard's really cheap though, fifty one hundred, and he's got multiple touchdown upside. Yeah, no, that's true. Shepard is interesting. I was, I was saying, I'm not interested by the tight ends. Uh, okay, I, I would not go with Jared Cook, and I wouldn't roll the dice on Will Ty either. Um, and another guy I would definitely not play is uh, what's his name, the slot receiver Geronimo Allison. I think I, I'm assuming is that's how you pronounce it. People want to get so cute with these shorter slates and, and say, oh, I've got this secret strategy. I'm going to go with Geronimo Allison. And then you're just screwed Yeah, you're, because it doesn't work out. Not only are you <laughs> like 95% of the time. Right. Not only are you screwed because last week his matchup was fantastic as the slot receiver against the Lions, which is why Doug Baldwin is a must have because they just can't cover the slot at all. So it makes sense that Allison had 91 yards and a touchdown. But this week, not only does he not have as good a matchup, but he also might not even play because Randall Cobb is back. So I've heard people say, well, I'm going to play Geronimo Allison. He pro- I think he proved himself last week, and they'll go back to him. No one proves themselves over Randall Cobb in one week. They're definitely going back to Randall Cobb. Now, what about Ty Montgomery? Before we move on to the next game, he's just a no, right? You know what? He's not an automatic no in GPPs because I think his ownership will be so low. People will think, oh my gosh, he's losing his job to Ripkowski. Aaron Ripkowski, the fullback, is taking his job. He must be horrible. And I think he'll be back to having his job. So, if I mean, he's had two bad weeks in a row, and he just lost out on a ton of snaps and carries on national television. So his ownership should be pushed as low as possible. But you only have to look three weeks back to see where he had 162 yards and two touchdowns. And he also had multiple games this year with 10 receptions. So he has upside. So for GBPs, you could play him even though it's a bad matchup. Because really, with the exception of Le'Veon Bell, there is no running back in a great matchup. So yeah. you might as well take a shot on someone in a bad matchup. You're going to have to. Okay, Justin, let's get the toilet bowl out of the way now. Connor Cook faced Brock Osweiler, <laughs> Raiders and Texans. Man, this is a bad playoff game. Uh, our defense has to come out of this game, right? Um, I don't know. You could definitely make a case for the Seahawks defense or even one of the defenses in the game we were just talking about if you really want to roll the dice because we think that game Packers would, would be sneaky. It would. With it Eli would. Manning in the cold, Eli, I, I could see some interceptions there. Eli is an interception machine, so that's very possible. You could even, if you wanted to go super, super contrarian, you could take Giants D because it's so much better than people realize, but that is so risky. A lot of people will have Houston defense for sure, but I'm going Raiders here. I, I like Raiders? the Raiders here better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Oswald throws a lot of both these quarterbacks are terrible. One thing, Khalil Mack, one thing, all the pressure on uh, 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Lots of pressure. I mean, lots of pressure on both these guys. I guess Osweiler has more to prove. Connor Cook, I don't think anyone expects anything from Connor Cook, so whatever he does is fine. But one thing that's interesting about this game is that the, the over-under is set for 36 and a half, which is one of the lowest that I've ever seen. But I also, I don't know if Vegas really thinks it'll be that high, or they might truly believe it'll be lower, but they need to get an equal amount of money on both sides. Yeah. So when they set their their spreads and their over unders, they're not necessarily spread setting it for what they think will happen. They're setting it for what they think will generate an equal amount of bets on both sides. So that's an important distinction to remember when you're looking at Vegas lines because it doesn't automatically mean that's what they think will happen. They just assume that's what the public thinks will happen. And Interesting. So they're trying to generate if they get an equal amount of bets on both sides, that's when they make the most money no matter what because they're giving you an unequal payout regardless of which side you bet. Does that make sense? So Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. That's a good way to put it. So they might think it's even lower. I think it I think it should be even lower. I, I might take the under on the game. I mean I'm not in Vegas, so it probably doesn't really matter. But if I was just guessing one way or the other, I might think it's even lower scoring. Both these defenses are really, really good and these offenses are pretty bad. Oakland's offense is good on paper, but without Derek Carr, I just I don't know. I don't think they can really do much. Or maybe they know it's going to be way higher than 36. Like maybe they know Connor Cook is the next Steve Young. (laughs) I mean, Steve Young had to take over for Joe Montana at some point. And Kurt Warner had to take over for Trent Green. And uh, Tom Brady for Drew Bledsoe. Yeah, These kind of things happen. Now it's a 1 in 500 chance. But I'm saying there's a chance. (laughs) Yeah, I I like that. I like that. But I don't know if I want to risk my GBP team on a 1 in 500 There's no way I'm doing it. It's just uh, I had to make something exciting about this game, right? I mean, we talked about the defenses. Now what is there? Uh, Yeah, I mean, there there are some things to look at. So here's something interesting. This won't actually help you fill out your roster, but it'll help you with some players to avoid. So a lot of people might take running backs in this game thinking, okay, it'll just be a kind of a slow grind out game. But listen to this. The Oakland rushing attack since DeAndre Washington came back has been the most split up backfield I've ever seen. Last week, Latavius Murray took 16 snaps. DeAndre Washington took 21. Jalen Richard took 12. The fullback, Olalawale, got 10 snaps and also received a carry. Taiwan Jones received a carry. So that's five players in the mix that's for disgusting. receiving carries. There is no fantasy value to be had there. But I think people will be on Latavius Murray because Jack Del Rio said, Murray needs to see more work going forward. That to me just sounds like total coach speak. I feel like I hear that every week yeah. about some player and it almost never pans out. And since Washington returned in week 14, Murray has not seen over 31 snaps. And in week 14, before he returned, Murray had 52 snaps that game and was getting about that when Washington was gone. So I think people will look at Murray's game logs and think, oh boy, he is capable of a huge game. But his snaps are so down. And with all these other running backs, and one thing you might think, oh, Olawale or the fullback, whatever his name is, he's not necessarily taking snaps from the running backs because he's lining up as a fullback. But he's actually had eight red zone touches this year. And almost all of those have come right at the goal line. So he is yeah. he is a huge threat to just steal some fantasy points. There's no way he's going to be worth playing in DFS. All he's going to do is just siphon some points away from somebody else. Now I'm looking at I'm looking at Lamar Miller, and it it is a good matchup. I think it's going to be a slower game. Oakland's not very good against the run, but our uh, our projections have him at 11.5 points, which is almost it's a little bit more than half of what we're projecting for Le'Veon Bell. And Miller's the second rated player, but based on his price, I, I'm just not really sure that I'm interested here. Yeah, it's you know it's tough to get him and then fill out the rest of your team the way that you want to. So 
I think almost everyone is going to go Bell and a really cheap running back. It might be Paul Perkins. It might be Ty Montgomery or Rashad Jennings. It might people. Some people will do Ripkowski. Bad idea. Um, it might be DeAndre Washington. I mean, he's leading the team in the running backs in snaps. It, so, yeah, I, I just don't know if that many people will be willing to pay up for Lamar Miller. But enough enough people probably will that it'll he's not a like an amazing contrarian play. You know what I mean? Yeah, he'll be an, he'll be owned enough that you don't have to go get him. I don't know. I, I I'm not I'm not wild about him, but I'm I'm truly you'll see, you'll see by the end of the show. I'm not wild about any running back other than Le'Veon Bell. The the second running back spot is going to be the last spot that I fill in on my roster. I'm going to build everything else the way I want it. And then whatever I have money left over for, I'll just pick a running back that I can get there. Now for wide receivers in this game, there's three really good ones. Michael Crabtree, Amari Cooper, who's been horrible lately. And uh, and it's a bad matchup too. And DeAndre Hopkins, who's been getting a lot of targets lately. Are any of these guys worth putting in your lineup, even though it's going to be a low scoring game? You know, it's interesting. So if you follow what they're saying in the news, so... Osweiler has come out and said, I understand now that the offense needs to run through DeAndre Hopkins. So he said that, which will make Yeah, but he throws Hopkins. the ball like eight feet behind him. Right. It's not going to make so, any difference. So I don't think I'm picking Hopkins regardless. And then Cooper came out and said, I will demand the football game. But I also think that he'll be a That's not a good idea. He's not as good as Michael Crabtree. Uh, Michael Crabtree needs to demand the football. They both need to demand that Connor Cook throw them the football instead of just dumping it off. But who knows? If yeah. Cook will feel comfortable doing that. And one of them is going to get A.J. Bowie. And I don't know who it'll be, but whoever gets him is going to have a tough time. And that's that's a horrible matchup. That's going to ruin someone's day. Right. And even whoever doesn't get him, they still don't even have a great matchup. They're going to have to deal with Kareem Jackson or Jonathan Joseph. I mean, Jackson's usually in the slot, so it's probably going to be Jonathan Joseph. But he's pretty darn good, too. I wouldn't really. Connor Cook has a tough day ahead of him. And We're what, talking about three of the best 20 cornerbacks in the NFL on one team. Exactly. Exactly. And. So the only logical move for the Raiders is to just run the ball with their stable of five running backs and no one will hit fantasy value more than likely. If, All right. If, anyone else in this game you like? Uh, CJ Fedorowicz? Yeah. Yeah. That's the guy. That's probably the one guy that I that I might pick because Osweiler really likes to throw to him. And yeah. I really don't like Jimmy Graham at all. So And Oakland's bad against tight ends. They, right. they always are. Yeah, I, I really... So I broke down this matchup for a long time just trying to find anything, anything I could find to pick up from this game. And the one thing is, like you said, I don't think Oakland can cover Fedora. So that's the, that's the one place that you could kind of get something out of this game. And if you were to only play Fedorovich and he was the only player to hit value, this is the first game of the slate. So you'd be feeling great about it, which is not the only reason to play him. But it would be fun to be going into the next few games thinking, all right, I got the one guy out of that game that hit value. And I do think yeah. Fedora, which is the most likely player to hit value in this game. I think so too. But uh, man, I, I don't feel good about any tight end any week, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's move on to a more exciting game. Let's go over to uh, the other Saturday game. Saturday night, we've got Seattle at home against Detroit. And Seattle's really good at home. Detroit's been giving up so many touchdowns. Before then, though, their defense is really good. Yeah, I mean, Detroit's defense has kind of fallen apart. And it's unfortunate. I just, I literally looked into this game to try to find if there was any way that the Seahawks could win or could lose. So my friend and I are in a pick em league where you have to pick a team every single week of the season. And we've made it all the way to week 17. And we're down to, there's 25 people left. And first place gets like $7,500. <laughs> and we've been saying all along, we'll, we'll go contrarian in the playoffs. We're, we're just going to keep picking the obvious high spread team that'll win to get us to the playoffs, which has worked to this point. 
And then in the playoffs, you can pick every team again. It all resets. And then we'll, we'll actually go contrarian when everyone else is. It, but you know what? There's just no way to not pick the Steelers and just pick against the Steelers and the Seahawks this week. Both these I teams, disagree, man. Detroit's winning this game. I hope they're they winning do. it. We're definitely we picked the Steelers. That's the team we we sent in. Um, okay. I don't see how they lose with the Dolphins as banged up as they are on defense and offense. But uh, yeah, I hope the Lions win. But the Seahawks pass rush just looks so good, and I don't know how the Lions will cover Doug Baldwin. There's yeah, there they tried putting Slay in the slot one time this year. He played 16 snaps in the slot and was targeted six times on those 16 snaps and gave up a touchdown. They went after him every time. He knew he had no idea what he was doing, and they've never put him in the slot again. So Doug Baldwin plays over seventy percent of his snaps in the slot. So I just I don't know how they're going to cover him if they can't put Slay there. And they lost uh, Quandry Diggs. All they have now is Don Carey or Asa Jackson, and those guys rank as some of the worst slot corners in the NFL. I'll say this though: Seattle's offensive line is so bad; it's horrible. I don't. I I, I mean. Look, I agree. Baldwin's a great play. He's got to be in your lineup this week. Um, but I'm not so sure that Russell Wilson is a great play because there's going to be a lot of pressure on him. I don't care if Detroit's not the best team at applying pressure. Seattle has such a bad offensive line. I think that it's bound to happen. Yeah, you know what? I, I kind of I wrote up in one of my articles how Detroit doesn't get a lot of pressure, but the pressure they do get comes from their defensive ends. And Terry Hyder and Zeke Ansa got nine pressures on Rodgers last week. And almost the rest of the team did almost nothing. And tasked with blocking those guys will be the Seahawks tackles, who, like you just said, are truly the worst tackles in football. Gary Gilliam, Bradley Sowell, and George Fant. I hate to call these guys out. I hope they never listen to your podcast, Bobby. (laughs) They couldn't be any worse. And that's what's killing Jimmy Graham's value. They're making him block, and then they've realized he's not as good as blocking as Luke Wilson. So Luke Wilson is getting as many snaps as Jimmy Graham. The two of them have split snaps totally equally in their last three games. Uh, in two of those games, Wilson played 38 snaps, Graham played 37. The other one, Graham played 38, Wilson played 37. So it, Jimmy Graham is just not, he's just being wasted. I would love to see him go somewhere like Atlanta in the offseason where he would become like Tony Gonzalez and would just be an absolute beast. There's no excuse for Jimmy Graham to not be the best tight end in the NFL. But the Seahawks offensive line is so bad, they just can't afford to let their tight end run around. I don't want to see him go to Atlanta because I want to see Austin Hooper. That's true. I do want to see Austin <laughs> Hooper. I think he'll be good. But he, he Graham could go anywhere else. Maybe put him with Green Bay. That would be amazing. That would be. Oh, yeah. Rodgers would probably use him all the time. That'd be awesome. So Matthew Stafford is not, it's not even a question. Just don't play the, the, the team against the Seattle secondary, right? Probably not. At home, I don't think so. It would be quite a contrarian play. Uh, I mean, Vegas projects Detroit to score 18 points. So if they can go a little over that and push it to three touchdowns, maybe, and they're all yeah. Stafford, then maybe then he, one rushing. Yeah, maybe he can run one in. But well, are you saying on the ground with the running back or for Stafford? No, I'm saying one? on the ground with Stafford. Yeah, yeah. That's even a slight that's chance. A, so. Yeah, it's a slight I think, chance. I, but. I think it's like 2% chance he's the best quarterback this week. And so, you know, if he's under 2% owned, then yeah, it's a pretty good investment. But um, for cash games, I don't even think well, about yeah. it. I don't even. I don't think I'll play any cash games this week. It just doesn't really make sense. I think everyone will just stack the Steelers' big three as they should, um, and it'll just kind of ruin the the cash game. I think I'd rather do that in GBPs and still just hope for the best. Yeah, but yeah, I mean Stafford has a chance just because the Seahawks' run defense is so good, and I just don't see Zenner doing anything. So they will have to throw if they want to win the game. 
You know, I'll say this about all the pressure that Seattle does put on quarterbacks. It won't affect Stafford as much because he releases the ball pretty quick. He does a lot of dump off passes. Their offense is designed for that. That's just who Jim Bob Cooter is. So I don't know, maybe Stafford kind of has the remedy against this secondary. Yeah, he really might. And that could mean that Golden Tate is a strong play because if they know there you the go. pressure is coming and they're oh, looking for Oh, and he trip. wants to get back at Pete Carroll. That's a good That's a good uh, narrative there. Oh, Golden Tate? Yeah, that's an yeah. interesting narrative. I don't know if that's why I'll pick him, but it's, it might as well toss it in there if you're going to talk about him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, Tate, Tate could definitely be the beneficiary. And you know who else could be is Anquan Bolden because he should get Jeremy Lane in the slot. And Lane is definitely the weakness of this coverage. If you had to pick someone to target in this amazing secondary, it would be Jeremy Lane. So, And, and Bolden's got some old man problems and everything, but he's one of these guys that I feel like he's got an extra level. He just can't really do it the entire season. So maybe he turns it on. Uh, he's been a great player in his NFL career, and he is fierce. Um, so maybe this is a big game for him. Yeah, what I like about Bolden is, like you said, I think he kind of just, I wouldn't say he takes games off, but he just can't go all out every single game. Exactly. But he's actually 6-1-2-20 playing out of the slot. So Seattle usually <laughs> kind of bullies everybody into beating them. Um, but he's the only guy who's actually bigger than the guy covering him. Jerry Lane is only... They need to put him on defense. He would be crazy on defense. <laughs> I mean, Because he just crushes people in the blocking game. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think they're going to need Bolden on the field for most of the game. Um, and he's the only guy, he's bigger than Lane. Lane is only six foot 190, and he doesn't really rank very well as far as his coverage. So there's a chance that they just go slant routes to Bolden and Tate all the way down the field, and they do hang in this game. I would love to see it. I, I would like nothing more than for Matthew Stafford to make a run all the way to the Super Bowl. I, I don't see it That'd happening, but it would be awesome. I'm tempted. I, I think that if they get past this game, I think they will beat Dallas because they're so good at stopping the run. And that's what Dallas does. They run the football. And if they can slow down Ezekiel Elliott, I think we'll see the worst of, of Dak Prescott again. And boy, was it ugly against the Giants. And they've got Darius Slay going for, for uh, Detroit. So look, I think Detroit is a really dangerous team. The fact that they have to travel to Seattle, that's terrible. That, that's really bad luck. But if they can get away with this one, I think they've got a real chance to get to the Super Bowl. Yeah, you know, it's funny. That's What you just said about them beating Dallas is going to be an unpopular opinion because two weeks ago they got doubled up by Dallas in a game they needed yeah. to win and Dallas didn't need at all. But I actually agree with you. Like, I know they just lost 42-21, to 21, but they did hold Elliott to 80 yards and McFadden came in and got averaged only 3.5 yards per carry. They actually did a decent job and Slay held Des Bryant to 70 yards and everyone says, well, they had great games. Because Elliott got the two touchdowns on the ground, and Bryant got the two touchdowns through the air. So yep. fantasy owners feel like they had a really good game. But they didn't really. They just got all the touchdowns. So exactly. I, I do think the Lions would have a chance against Dallas. And obviously, they'd be big underdogs, but I would love to see it. I, I really hope they win, because there's no way the Seattle team makes it all the way to the Super Bowl with the worst offensive line I've ever seen. It's just totally it's a agree. recipe for not making it very far. So let's just get rid of them early and see what Frat Stafford can do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyone else you like in this game? I'm a little bit tempted by Ebron because he's just been so consistent, except for, you know, a little tiny stretch there where he was just letting people down like crazy. But, I mean, we're talking about he's had at least five points in virtually every game this season except for that three-game stretch. And even then, he was getting four receptions, 30-plus yards every game. He gets the ball. Seattle's been bad against tight ends for three straight years. This year they were a little better, but uh, I'm still probably not playing him. Uh, yeah, I don't think I'll play him. 
I definitely I don't expect to play him. There's, yeah, there's there's not a lot of other great options in this game. The, the running back situation is ugly, just like every other game. I wouldn't really want to use Zenner, although he is getting all the snaps for the Lions, so he's an option. But like we said, the Seahawks run D is fantastic, and then the Lions run D isn't great. But the situation is so unclear in Seattle. Last week, Alex Collins got 30 snaps, Thomas Rawls got 21, and J.D. McKissick got seven. Um, so you really can't know who's the number one back going into this game. It feels like it's just going to be another split workload. And then the Lions are getting so healthy on defense. DeAndre Levy has been working his way back since week 14. Oh, man. He is a bad man. Yeah, he's so good. He got 18 snaps in week 14. And that has increased every single week until last week he got 47 snaps. And I He's would, playing the whole game. Yeah, exactly. He's playing the whole game. He's working. He's worked his way all the way up to nearly the whole game. And this is the week that he will play the entire game which will push Josh Bynes to the bench, who struggles on run defense, and Levy will be making tackles. And this could be a a really good game. I'm excited to watch this one. This is probably the one game that I am most excited to watch. I'm really excited to watch this Pittsburgh-Miami game because I think Miami can stick with them. Now, I do think the the Steelers are going to win. They're plus 10 favorites, but I think a lot of that comes down to so many people are going to bet on the Steelers because they're one of America's teams and they've got all these flashy players, but Miami's pretty good. I think they're pretty good. Uh, I don't know what's going on with Matt Moore. I don't know if he's going to be any good, but JJ is a superstar and he was really good against Pittsburgh earlier this year. So I don't know. I, maybe it's a close game. I'm excited to watch it. Uh, nonetheless, what do you think about the fantasy options in this one? So I think that you'll actually see a little bit of inflated ownership on Matt Moore just because people feel like he's so safe. I read an article this week saying Matt Moore has had between 200 and 225 yards in his three starts, and he's thrown at least two touchdowns. Therefore, he's basically a lock for 200 yards and two touchdowns. That is such a small like, sample size. Like, you can't yeah, say that. Like, That's not how that works. That is not how that works. <laughs> So just because he's thrown eight touchdowns in three games does not mean that they'll just continue to throw the ball every time they get down close or that they'll ever even get down close. I do think Miami can score with with the Steelers. I think the Steelers will still blow them away with touchdowns. The Steelers are projected for 29 points by Vegas, and I would take the over. I think the Steelers, there's just, there's no way that this Dolphins team should be able to stop them. If they do, it's so fluky. Because Dolphins started the season with two elite safeties, and they tragically lost both of them coming into the playoffs. Now, third stringer Bakari Rambo has not practiced this week, and Byron Maxwell hasn't practiced this week. That means that Xavier Howard could be playing cornerback for whoever lines up wide right for the Steelers, which I think will be Antonio Brown. Oh, yikes. We're talking like 5,000 yards then. Right. And the safety that could be starting might be playing his first snaps of the season. So, (laughs) and... To make matters worse, they have a horrible run defense. Le'Veon Bell should shred them on the ground. So I could see Big Ben, Le'Veon Bell, and Antonio Brown combining for eight or nine touchdowns. So it seems so hard to not pick any of them because I can't see a single person. I mean, I, I broke down every player on the Dolphins defense that I think will be healthy. And I thought, who could stop anybody? And my answer was pretty much nobody. They're all matched up so much worse, so much less talent, that the only thing that could benefit them. It's just really lucky plays. They would just yeah. need to get lucky fumbles, some tipped passes intercepted. They would just need to get stops on every third down conveniently. I mean, it's going to be such a battle for this defense to make stops. And it might be a good idea to target someone like Kenny Stills on the other side of the ball and hope that they just try to keep up in a shootout with deep balls to Kenny Stills. Yeah, that, that's an interesting strategy too. 
I don't like steals, so I won't be doing it. But yeah, there's definitely upside there. Now I'm looking at the game log. The last time they played Pittsburgh, 25 for 204 and two touchdowns for Ajayi. That was when he first uh, came on the map and nobody started him anywhere. Right. I'm talking DFS, fantasy, anywhere. Um, now, do you think it happens? Is there any chance that it happens again? I don't think the game script lends itself to him getting 25 touches. I don't either, although it probably didn't last time. Um, so who knows? But good I, point. I looked into this and I thought I might have found a good reason to play Jayajai. And I was all excited because Stefan Tuitt missed the last two games. And then he practiced fully today and they said he's going to play. And so that ruined it because he is their run-stopping cog in the middle of that line. He is the nose tackle that pushes back two offensive linemen and prevents teams from gashing them on the run. And last week without him, Cleveland ran for over 200 yards on the ground. (laughs) That is so funny. So I was so excited thinking, oh my gosh, Ajayi should run for 200 yards, even though his offensive line is just awful. And and now that Tuit is back, I'm not excited about Ajayi. And here I go again saying I don't like any running backs on this slate besides Bell. Um, I would have gone Bell and Ajayi if Tuit was out. I, I would still consider it, but probably not. He really only has one good offensive lineman to block for him. He has Jawan James, who blocks pretty well. And every other offensive lineman has just horrible run blocking stats. So yeah. they, they create almost no holes. They allow the running back to get hit in the backfield like 30% of the time, which is just awful. Um, so even their starting tight end, Deion Sims, is ranked as a horrible run blocker. So the, the only thing these linemen can do is pass block, actually. They're all pretty decent pass blockers. So it just makes more sense that if the Dolphins are going to be playing from behind, most likely, and their line blocks better in the pass, that they'll just keep throwing with Matt Moore. So that, that's what would concern me playing Ajay, is that he could just get left out of the game completely. You know, you talk about this game script and their wide receivers playing from behind. I've got a nice stat for you from Chris Rayborn that I retweeted. Jarvis Landry drew 9.4 targets when the Dolphins were underdogs in 2016, only 6.2 when favored. Um, they're t- they're 10 point dogs, so I, we can can we expect nine targets plus? I think you probably can. I don't know how many of those he'll catch, but he's usually pretty uh, pretty short route. I mean, what does he have like the one of the lowest yards like depth of targets, something like yeah. that? So. I would think he'll catch quite a few of them. Definitely on DraftKings, I mean, you could make a case for using him with PPR. I, I mean, he'll probably get William Gay in the slot, though. I, I don't like that matchup at all. Um, I, that's that's really tough. But none of the Dolphins receivers have great matchups, so they might just force it to Landry. Now, does it make sense? We already talked about Big Ben, Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown. Owning all three of them makes sense in cash games. It makes sense in GPP. What about getting a fourth stealer in there? Maybe Jesse James, since Ladarius Green is on uh, concussion protocol still, or one of their other wide receivers. What do you think about that? Uh, well, Ladarius Green actually practiced in full today. Um, so, and that was Wednesday. So, ah, I don't I was think wrong. Jesse, Sorry, guys. Yeah, I don't think Jesse James <laughs> will end up, but you know what? No one will play Jesse James if Ladarius Green plays, and he still gets some snaps. So, that's deep sleeper potential. Um, but I don't think I'll be using him. I would consider Ladarius Green. I would also consider Eli Rogers. Uh, I don't love the slot matchup, but I want to get an- I would love to get another receiver in with Big Ben, and other than just Antonio Brown. And on DraftKings, you can't use Roethlisberger, Bell, and Antonio Brown. So you have to cut one of them. 
I don't even know who you cut. I guess Ben, maybe, but um, I, I, I don't know. Maybe Bell. I mean, maybe uh, Brown. I, I can't cut Le'Veon Bell. I think he's going to just destroy. And I don't even want to pick a second running back. So if I cut Bell, then I'd have to pick two more running backs, and I certainly don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know who who else are you looking at. I would I wouldn't consider Sammy Coates an option, even though he's practicing fully. I think he's horrible. He'll probably split snaps with Kobe Hamilton. Um, so I think Eli Rogers is really one of the only other options. Yeah, Eli Rogers is the guy I was talking about. I mean, there there aren't many options that I like here. We covered them all. I mean, we talked about Anquan Bolden, who I think is a great play at forty eight hundred. Uh, saves you some money. We talked about uh, Sterling Shepard, who's got some upside against that Green Bay team at that price. I like both of them. Golden Tate's intriguing to me. Jarvis Landry is definitely going to be in my lineup. San Antonio Brown. Those are really the only five wide receivers. Oh, and obviously Doug Baldwin. So, um, you know, if you can make it work with your price, I'm going to get Antonio Brown, Doug Baldwin, and Jarvis Landry in there. But there's a couple others that are intriguing to me. Yeah, so are you not you're not worried about his matchup with William Gay? You think Landry can can beat him? I'm not really uh too concerned about the matchup. I mean Gay's pretty good, but I just think volume is the most important thing. Absolutely. And play, playing from behind, they go into these nickel and dime packages and you know, they go into all these zone schemes and everything like that. And Landry he's, he's a good route runner. He he'll find a way to uh to find a seam and get open when they're playing down from two touchdowns trying to come back. So you know, I, I like his upside a lot and I like his floor. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, if, if they get down like 28 to 10, I could see the Steelers just sagging off into a zone. And then at that point, it's not matchup based. It's just who can pick apart the zone the best. And I would trust yeah. Jonas Landry with that. Yeah. Well, um, Justin, do you have anything else to add for this uh, playoff special weekend? Um, you know, I mean, I could I could sit here and talk for hours and hours about this because uh, I've been researching it all week. But I'll go ahead and uh, just tell our listeners that they can head on over to DFIUniversity.com and read the articles that we've posted. We're, we're breaking down every single game in in-depth articles, lots of lots of data. Um, so if people want more, they can get that. They're probably, they're probably tired of hearing us talk about this slate. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Justin. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show and uh, hopefully these picks work out for us. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yep. My pleasure. For those of you listening at home, we've got another DFS show coming up next week and then one more for the semifinals. If you like baseball, head on over and check out our fantasy pros baseball podcast. We're pumping out about one episode per week. We're going to really ramp it up here in February, but we've got some good preseason uh, content going on right now, so check it out, Fantasy Pros Baseball Podcast. Thanks for listening, and enjoy your football. I just wanted you to watch me dissolve.